All right. Welcome to the Gate 7 International Podcast, your number one source for English information on Olympiakos FC and Greek Super League football. I'm Peter Thompson here with Lambros Sirmos and Aristides Pulubasis. Hope I said that right. You got it. All righty. So yep. for the, uh, the inaugural episode of Gate 7 International, we're just going to sort of review the season that Olympiakos had, what a season it was, and talk about what the team might look like next year. And what a roller coaster okay, it so was. It was a long season. Should we start all the way back last July, last August with the Champions League qualifiers? Absolutely. Yeah, Jeez, the season's been okay. over a year between yeah, all, so the, all the madness. You guys remember was that it was a hot summer day in Victoria Plaisant where the season started. <laughs> we started with Avram Papadopoulos at the back, if you guys remember, and he <laughs> tore his hamstring like 10 minutes <laughs> into the game, if you yeah. remember. And it was yeah. Ba comes in. And it was just a terrible game, and we were, I think we were all a bit worried at that point, you know, Avram Papadopoulos going down, Ba, this unknown player coming in. But then we came home and just destroyed them, even Guerrero scores, which was a shocker, as we know. Yeah, and that yeah. first game, I honestly thought the season wasn't going to go to. I thought that was a, an indicator kind of for how yeah. things were going to go, because yeah. Ba didn't look good that first game. Yeah. I was worried. Oh man, it didn't give me. It didn't give me a lot of positive <laughs> feeling. Yeah, and well, was he say where was he at the African Cup of Nations? And and Maddie was, if I remember correctly. So they came back late, and so we had yes, we had yeah. Bukalakis at the midfield too, and it was just we With were Guillaume, really worried because yes. Maddie didn't start those games. Yes, and um, Fortuny had torn his ACL, if we remember too. Yeah, and there was a real lack of creativity there. We thought so. Anyway, that was the season didn't start well, but then those qualifiers seemed to go pretty well. First with the win against Victoria, the win in Turkey, and then winning again, finishing it in Greece against Basakshir. Yeah, as well as we we played Krasnodar and uh, and the Turkish team. Yeah, Basakshir. I remember us looking very good, and like Masuras was on form. Like we were, we we really hit like a good a good stride at that point. Once the team yeah. sort of actually pieced itself together, like yeah, no, for sure. Signs. I thought, and I remember reading the newspapers that summer in Greece, and Ruben Tomato, and was just everyone was so amazed with Ruben with yes, his defensive work, yeah. and people were thinking this is we've been looking for the center back for what six seven years now. So that was great. He was Absolutely. so good in the qualifiers. He was so good. Saw was like saving penalties. Yeah, and don't forget the breakout, the major breakout performances from Lazar. Yeah, I mean, he looked like he was going to be the next best thing in those games. I mean, two uh, beautiful counters for goals. Uh, Those were in the the third qualifying round, I believe, when we played Krasnodar. Yeah, Um, he had, uh, I mean, incredible performances. and everyone started to have high hopes for him from those qualifiers. Yeah, I remember I was at those games, if you guys remember. And when he scored, um, I th- actually, when he won the penalty versus Basak Shir, mm-hmm. his pace was unreal when he came onto the pitch and just exploded. It was like yeah. 
no player could keep up with him in that nice move to win the penalty. It just it looked like we had a player, and who would have thought Laza from what some middle division t- or middle table team from Serbia? Who would have thought? You know, but yeah. Always the Serbian, the Serbian gems you find. It's just like, uh, like football manager. You just <laughs> pick these random players out, and they're just amazing. Exactly. Yeah. But anyway, absolutely. so, so should we continue into like the first half of the season up until coronavirus? I guess. Right. Yeah, I think I think we'll. That's a that's a good idea. Go until coronavirus because things kind of changed a little bit after the mm-hmm. after the break. We had some other people kind of emerge that maybe weren't doing so well. So uh, uh, for the, uh, the season, or I guess we'll say three quarters almost of the season until COVID, um, what were your thoughts? What were your thoughts about some of the players? What were your thoughts about how we were playing um, up to that point? Um, go ahead, Peter, if you want to start. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was before – COVID hit, and I mean, honestly, even after as well, I was pretty confident with with Europa League, like obviously coming off um, the amazing performance against Arsenal right sort of towards the end of the the pre-lockdown season. Um, And I think we, you know, looked good enough against Wolves uh, in the first leg. Obviously, things did not go exactly as planned in that game, but um, looked pretty good. Uh, You know, there were some, some... pretty awful performances by some players uh, that maybe I don't want to think about in the Champions League that um, I feel like we definitely left some points on the table, which is really unfortunate. Um, you can like, spotlight them. It's okay. <laughs> they're, they're Benzia and Maria, you know, both of, both of them. And it's a good thing that they're no longer with the club at the moment and they didn't spend the spring with the club. Um, but... I think it's still – we went into Champions League thinking we had a chance of, of snagging that second-place spot from Spurs maybe and yeah. and potentially sneaking into the group stage, which would have obviously been so good for the club. Um, and, you know, obviously the Red Star result in Serbia is unfortunate. Um, we had some close games with Bayern, you know, the, the 3-2. Um, I mean, you look at how Bayern's performing now, That's that's a pretty – good result, but you got to wish that, that we might have gotten a point from that. Um, and then obviously the second game, I think it was 0-0 for so long, and then eventually they just broke through and got a few goals. Um, so, and I mean, obviously the league, pretty, pretty solid, um, apart from the occasional, you know, uh, misstep. But um, Champions League, I think, it, it would have been nice to see us get through the group stage. Maybe if, if a couple things worked out differently, we would have had a chance. But um, yeah. I would say pretty pretty solid overall. Yeah. And the thing I would mention about Maria, you know, in those qualifier games, he looked so good. I remember yes. the goal that Lazar scored against Basakshir. He had this little turn and a long pass over the top, perfectly yeah. pointed. And I really thought – and he was in the – best 11 for the Afghan nations, I believe. And I really thought he, he just looked fantastic. And then he just, he just didn't have it mentally, I think, as a player to play in the big games, the mental concentration. Yeah. That's where you need mistakes. It It was just dumb mistakes over and over again. His ball playing ability. uh, If you remember halfway through the fall, even when people were getting very upset with his uh, defensive performances, people thought he could be, 
a midfielder or a midfield option for us when we were starting to get a little bit concerned with the depth that we had and injuries. Uh, that was a possibility because he had a pretty accurate long ball and he yeah. seemed to like to, to make those plays. So that, and, and that we saw, I think two games where he played in the midfield and he wasn't half bad. Now uh, one game, I think he came on with Adruzos and they were playing together. They didn't look great together, obviously, because it was probably their first time playing together. It wouldn't have surprised me, but um, some of the looks he gave, I, I liked the runs he was making and he was tracking back a lot. I, I think he could have been serviceable there, but at that point, just his credibility with the fans was just, uh, he, and probably with Martins at that point. He was done, I think. I think he needed a new beginning in Turkey, and he'll probably continue in Turkey, to be honest. We'll yeah, see. but I would like to just bring up one real quick thing about that Champions League, uh, our group stage performances. I think we had probably the tightest performances against Bayern Munich. Mm-hmm. If you look at how they are trashing their opposition right now, I mean, Barcelona, who, okay, they're having a really bad year, but come on. Yeah. It's still Barcelona. And they are trashing these teams. They are trashing top tier teams. And we put up an amazing fight against them. Um, There is a photo, literally, the, it was the, the opportunity, a shot missed by Podenza that would have put us level and stolen a point from Bayern Munich in the group stage. So that's something to brag about, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, even though it's disappointing that we didn't make it to the next tier of Champions League, I'm happy. I, you know, I don't yeah. think I've felt quite as happy or satisfied with, you know, it, you know, referee mistakes and mistakes from like, you know, players like Media or Benzia that cost us things. I was, I haven't been quite as satisfied with a, uh, you know, a performance in Europe like this from Olympiacos. They played well. You know, we weren't packing the box in. We weren't putting 10 men behind the ball. We were out-possessing most yeah. of these teams. You know, there was a time during the first the first match against Bayern Munich where it was level. You know? Well, mm-hmm. the, the one that finished that finished 3-0, I think, was, yeah. was 0-0 for the majority of the minutes. match. That's correct. Yeah. I believe it was almost 70 minutes yeah, yeah. before they, they just, got that first know, goal. Opened the floodgates. Yeah, no, we we played really well, and that's where I think we discovered that four three three formation with Maddie coming up and pressing next to the striker, mm-hmm. and you know that became our go to, I guess, on the road or in tricky games, and that really paid off against Pauk, right? We it definitely did, and we beat Pauk there twice. We played well against them in the cup enough to go through, uh, and credit to Martins. I mean, he does tinker with the lineup. He does work around the strengths of the players he has. I know a lot of people don't like some of the decisions, namely with Bukhalaikis, but our midfield core is, you know, the backbone of the team. Yeah. The, yeah. You know, the, the movement, the distance covered, especially from guys like, like Madi and Guillerme. Even Bukhalaikis, it always surprises me how much distance he covers. If you look on StatBomb, I mean, he is one of our top players in distance cover, but it always seems like he's sitting in front of the defense. <laughs> that is the major complaint in Greece about him, is that they feel like he's slow. Well, he is slow, but they feel yeah, like he's always there and not mobile, but he moves. And I, um, and I feel bad for him, you know. Like, uh, I was at the stadium twice during the qualifiers, and he was being whistled on the ball, and people were swearing at him. You could hear close to the field, and 
he gets a lot of stick, but, you know, he's consistent. He was consistent this season and at times put in great performances. So, right. He did the actually, job, you know. I don't want to get into the second sort of part of the season too much, but I actually think he had a really good sort of post-COVID uh, season. Yeah, I agree. I think actually. he has. You know, I think he's had a pretty overall a solid season. Don't yeah. forget in the in the preseason when we were playing, you know, the the Champions League qualification games, when we were still playing a four-two-three-one double pivot, he and Guillerme were the picks, not Madi and Guillerme like it was all last season. It was him and Guillerme. We see repeatedly, time after time, even the previous season, it was Bukalakis and Mari or Bukalakis and Guillermo. You know, uh, even in previous seasons, yeah. it, he, 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 he offers some type of stability. He slows the play down, and he, he seems to be pretty vocal as well. And, yeah. I mean, he, otherwise he wouldn't be picked in the national team as well. You know, it, 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 he, in both those facets, he's, he's constantly featured. So yeah. th- there has to be there is there has to be something else there, you know what I mean? And unfortunately, a lot of fans don't they don't value that. You know, it's always the, it's the curse of the DM. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, like like Matuidi is a really good example. You know, Inter Miami is picking him up, and all Inter Miami fans did was bitch about how how is this guy supposed to help us score? Are Man you kidding me? World Cup winning team like two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> he started for Juventus. This guy is oh, probably the best DM to ever come and play in the United yeah, States. Yeah, easily. Yeah. You know, easily, but yeah. people don't value like the, the type of grunt work that has to be done. It's not valued because that's not on highlight reels. And yeah. The and, thing of, and the thing about Bukalex, I'd say when he was younger, it was the injuries that costed him. I don't remember him being injured for almost two years now. And yeah. I just think that's amazing. Like, he was constantly injured as a youth. And I think even when he went to Nottingham for the one year, he was injured a lot there. And I don't know what's happened, but I don't know. He hasn't been hurt, knock on wood, for a while now. So Yeah, it, it, it's and, uh, a nice improvement that I like to see, especially post-COVID, was, the, was him actually taking risks down the field. Yeah. One thing we always saw from him is that he had a pretty accurate long ball mid-range, you know, long passes. They were actually quite accurate, you know. And, you know, Madi, you know, ha- who has great vision but doesn't always have a great final product, we all, everybody always gave him credit for, for, for trying to make things happen, taking the game on his shoulders and trying to do that. And Bukai, like I said, always thought had that capability, but he seemed very timid. It was always the easy thing, yeah. you know, giving the ball to the left, you know. And – he could have done more. I like seeing more of those long balls from him. I mean, some of those Tetsimikas uh, and, you know, go, uh, down the line to the wingers, who, whether it was Maxi Lovera or uh, Lazar on the other side. He, he showed that he can do that. And he's, he's not as average of a player as a lot of people believe he is. Uh, yeah. You know, I, he's very functional. He definitely, I can see how he frustrates people, but I agree completely. Yeah. And, of course, pre-COVID, I still had my frustrations with him. But he did exactly what Martins wanted him to do. He was taking up space, covering the back line, not losing the ball. And that, that's, all, that's really what Martins seems to want. <laughs> he wants he, – first thing, I, I mean, this is Portuguese coaches to a T, track back, cover, you know, cover your space, something Guillerme does very well. And, you know, that's the, the part of the success is that midfield trio – 
was was the backbone of this team. Yeah. Uh, and we wouldn't have had the success without them. As good as the defense was. Uh, now, uh, I guess speaking about the defense next, uh, you know, the defenders, of course, that we love. Semedo, obviously, was fantastic yeah. pre-COVID uh, in, in, in every match. Yeah, you know, gave away a couple games. Um, and, but, you know, Ba, Usainu Ba was our uh, unsung hero. I know we'll talk about him probably a little bit later, too. But his performances, man, if you had told me at the beginning of the season this guy was going to be a, 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 in the starting center duo from that first game we saw, I never would have believed it. I mean, yeah. and, he has completely transformed. And it's mad when you think about the team that we bought him from. They were in the second division of France. They were get on their way to getting relegated with Ba in the team. And since we've bought Ba, I think they're being relegated from the third division of France now. Oh, really? I didn't so know This that. is like a literal, <laughs> no offense to the club we bought him from, but it's like a nothing club. Like, yeah, very and, low tier. And obviously a very cheap buy and was, I think, basically expected to be like the fourth center back behind Semedo, Cisse, and Avram. And I and guess you, behind Maria as well. And do you know the crazy thing was we bought another center back who I thought was going to fill that role, Svetovar Markovic, who never really got into the team, you know? I really yeah, think he well, was going to be the guy, but yeah. he never quite got run. And so we hope the best for him and that he comes back at some point. But I think he's been all right out on loan. He was, I saw he was not, he was in the list. Like U, UEFA or whoever does it dropped like a top 100 list for the Golden Boy nominees yeah. in like. He's well regarded. In, yeah. He was on that list. Yeah. I hope he can come good one day because he looks like. And what the Serbs say is he's quite a player. So hopefully he can go on loan again or come back and start playing a little bit. It would be nice to see. But anyway. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing him on loan again. Um, I think maybe for, yeah. for another year. Where was he at Larissa yeah, should last, we, last should season? We, yeah, he was at Larissa last season. But I don't, I don't know. Maybe I would like to see him play in Greece for another team. Maybe we'll maybe see. Should we talk, or something. Yeah, should we talk about um, the second half of the season now and some of the – just, I guess the second half of the season was we kind of just, we walked the league. Pauk really couldn't find any form there. Yeah. Post-COVID. I mean, Ike became the team that was, and was Ike more was, challenging. Yeah. I guess the big game, other than the Wolves game, was the cup game against Pauk at home. That was, uh, I guess that was the game that comes to my mind when I think about postseason. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I agree as well. I mean, they... Bauk pretty much, I mean, forget the legal issues. They, you know, it, it doesn't take much to do enough to be in the second or third spot in Greece. Let's be honest. You know, for, yeah. the, for, the, for the top clubs, the, the top group of, the top country club of clubs, Rubiakos, Bauk, Ike, you know, um, normally I would put Banathinaikos there. Unfortunately, they're not. Um, not anymore, not until, you know, things get in yeah. order, which they are improving. Yeah, it'll be an interesting season for them, I feel. I've yeah. seen some of the moves they've made. They're clearing some dead wood. I don't know. I think they may be interesting. Hopefully, we can see right. them doing good, which is a weird thing to say, but we'll see. Yeah, but Bob kind of lost the plot. I mean, uh, I'm going to say this. Um, Luchescu was a better coach. Yeah, no, 100%. And he knew what he had, and, you know, unfortunately uh, – for them not to hold on to him, that I think that's part of the reason that they didn't have any success 
unfortunately, when it came to anything related to Europe and, you know, had much less success uh, when it came to Greece. Uh, had he still been there, I honestly believe that this title race would have been way closer. Um, yeah. I think it would have been closer, you know, even, even though we did tremendous, you know, uh, in terms of our point total, I think it would have been still pretty close, you know. Um, it's a, it's, it is a shame, even though, don't get me wrong, I have no, there's no love, there's no love lost between uh, myself and, and that organization. However, when it comes to Europe and when it comes to Greek football on a whole and our standing with relation to the league coefficients, it, we need it hurts. We need, yeah, them. We, yeah. we need them. We need all the teams. We need Ike. We need, it's, I guess now it's going to be Aris and Trophy who are in Europe this year or whatever. It's still, yeah, it has to. to advance. So. It's, it's yeah. honestly like the fact that we're literally like competing with Cyprus for coefficients is just, yeah, it's just, it no. really shouldn't be that way. And it's yeah. like Olympiacos are such a good club and it's just like the rest of Greece just needs to, to start winning yeah, hopefully in we, Europe. We can see some changes. The EPO right now should be ashamed of themselves for, for their antics specifically with that regard. The fact Cyprus, this is the first time in my lifetime I don't know, you know, uh, from what I've seen, I don't think it's happened in the, the way ever since the, in the new format for the Champions League. I don't think Cyprus has ever been above Greece ever in terms of coefficient. And yeah. for it to happen now, I mean, Cyprus, seeing the Czech, the Czech League, you know, that, that's unacceptable, especially because going into next year, we're going to be in first round qualifications for whichever Greek team is in the Champions League. Yeah. Uh, that, and that's unacceptable. Now, I know we kind of deviated a little bit for in terms of uh, the discussion yeah. for post-COVID, but it's just it's just frustrating because, yeah, it's, you know. It's definitely something we can, I guess, we'll talk about um, in future podcasts, I think, because it's a major topic, but it's just. Yeah, and there's a lot to deconstruct from that as well as to why that is. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, moving forward, who, post-COVID, who were your MVPs? Uh, for the team, you know, what, what do you think we did well post-COVID? Who do you think came to play? I think easily number one MVP was Matty Kamara. Yeah, I was about to say. So, yeah, I don't 100%. know if you guys agree, but he took it to another level. I don't know what he did during the coronavirus break, but his, his dribbling, his passing, his movement was just top, top, fantastic. That game, that cup game against Pauk, he basically won himself. That pass to Masuras, I believe he did. Yep. Oh, yes. The, and then he, the yeah. solo run, just so impressive. Fortunis lays it out for him. He just basically shoves, I think it was Maurizio, is his name from Pauk, off to the side and well, yep. just banged it in. Just a great player. And I think the asking price is over 20 million even now with coronavirus. Uh, I would agree. Uh, it has to be. I mean, he's too important, especially with the context of the market, losing three pieces. Well, about to lose three pieces if things go as we're being told. Um, you know, we can't afford to lose the spine, you know, and, yeah. and, and have a new, basically an entirely new starting defense to boot. Um, yeah. Another, somebody who, maybe not uh, MVP, but somebody who I thought had an improvement, at least in the offensive aspect of his game, was Masuras. Um, much more, many more shots on target post-COVID. Mm-hmm. And that's been the thing for him is just like 
with is just controlling it and getting it on target like so many times he's got he's got power and a lot of times he just literally sends it into the stands but yeah I think he has been he he has been a lot better he started out good in qualifiers as well he was scoring goals and then sort of had a little dip in form but I think post-COVID he has been good yeah Uh, and I think at the last few games I would say Lazar Andrelovic too found a little bit of form um, yes, as well. He scored that amazing goal to finish the season against Ike. He scored, I think, against Ofi as well in Creed. So I think he played extremely well as well. But other than that, I'm not too sure I have a name off my head if you guys have anything. Um, the I mean, one point about Laz- uh, Lazar is for those last couple of games, he was actually playing complete games. He was getting involved. You know, his one-twos were actually on point. He wasn't messing them up, balls going everywhere, you know, getting lost. We know that he's, like, uh, in, in similar in a Pepe manner for Arsenal. He's very good getting forward with the ball, especially on a counter. He's got a lot of pace. But major problems during the season with him is he gets lost. When, you know, if, you know, we're not in possession or dominating possession, he kind of seems to get lost, doesn't maybe track back. It just seemed like we weren't getting a lot out of him. And now now it finally seems like he knows what he has to do, it, you know, when it, whether we're on the ball or not. He finally seems like positionally he knows what he's doing. He finally seems like he's getting into the game more. And we're actually getting almost a full, you know, 90 minutes or so out of him versus just bits and pieces mm-hmm. giving me flashbacks of Fet Fatsidis. Uh, disappearing from games, but I'm glad to see that towards, you know, at post-COVID, that was a, a nice improvement from him. Yeah, um, and I, w- I would say we haven't mentioned them, and it's just obvious we should mention Valbuena, El Arabi, what a season they both had. Yeah, I think we yeah, just absolutely. glossed over them because they were fantastic yeah. all season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's not much to say about them, right? They're just fantastic players, and they made the difference. Where... Well, while we're on that, I mean, because <laughs> I'm sure that, you know, those names are going to be up there, but for taking post-COVID and pre-COVID, your MVPs, you know, who's your MVP for the season? I, I personally, this might be like striker bias or like, you know, goal scoring bias, but I'm just going to say El Arabi because they're sort of at the beginning of the season, there were big question marks of, of sort of who was going to have, who was going to be that true goal scoring threat. And like we saw in the previous season as well, like Hassan isn't going to cut it. Um, at striker and and I mean he came in and was just absolutely clinical um, when he gets the ball like really good rate of finishing his chances and obviously like the the absolute moment of the season was him scoring a really nice goal against Arsenal Um, I mean there were so many standout performances like you could say about Bueno or even Chimikas um, but I, I think El Arabi is my MVP yeah, I'll, I'll just round that up real quick. We have been looking for a striker, I would say, almost since Mitroglou, who can score consistently. And, you know, Hassan wasn't doing it. Guerrero wasn't doing it. I guess the closest we have, maybe Kareem Ansari Fard a few years ago, but he just, he never stuck around with the club. And we've been looking for that striker for so long, and we finally found it. And that's the difference, you know. In those key moments, we won those games instead of getting a draw or dropping points, I'd say. So I'd say El Arabi as well. Uh, for me, uh, even though even though El Arabi, it's it's between El Arabi and 
you know, my pick, it would be Valbuena. Valbuena mm-hmm. for me is just, I mean, he is lights out. He's unbelievable. Fantastic. You know, of course, led the league in assists. I don't think that that surprised anybody. No, yeah. But his performances in Champions League during the league. And the reason, the only reason I, you know, put Valbuena for me ahead of El Arabi is because, yes, you know, we, we have seen last, you know, especially last year, when we don't have a clinical striker, how bad some of those games, how frustrating some of those games can be, especially when your wingers aren't producing as well. Mm-hmm. But Valbuena created so much space for him. You know, yeah, having a player like him true. that is dangerous from any place on the pitch, especially when Podenza was still on the team. I mean, yeah. t- we were opening defenses up, and Valbuena has that. I mean, he just he just has that ability. He can put the game on his back, you and, know, the same way like, like Dominguez used to for us, yeah. you know. Yeah. I mean, he's that type of player. So I think without Valbuena, El Arabi doesn't do as well as yeah. he does. That's probably That's true. And with Fortunis out with the injury too, we wouldn't mm-hmm. have had that creativity, right? So, mm-hmm. And he's and so then, versatile. Yeah. yeah. And you have free kicks, corners, everything too, yeah. so. To think that he's doing this at the age he's doing it as well, like, I mean... Just impressive. Like, I feel like a winger, I mean, he's, he's played in central midfield as well, but playing on the wing, I feel like you just need, is, is the hardest position to play at, you know, an older age. You have to obviously mm-hmm. put in so much work down the flanks and be really athletic and quick. And, I mean, he's absolutely smashed it. He looked like he's, you know, could be as young as anyone out there. And... Um, I'm really excited to have him next year um, and, and hope he continues to produce. He's just been, he's been great. Yeah. So with that, should we start? Well, the season hasn't technically ended since we still have the cup final, but I guess should we move on to loan players coming back, some transfer rumors, et cetera? How do you guys feel about that? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, obviously the team is, is going to look a bit different than it has all year in the cup final with some people already having made their way out, so... Yeah, so I guess, where should we start? Should we talk about real quick players out, I guess? I guess just players officially out. Omar out of contract looks like he's going to be signing at Galatasaray. Yep. Gaspar going back on loan. The team has decided not to accept his option. And, of course, Chimikas going for 16 million euros to Liverpool just last week. With the option... Correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah, with bonuses, I believe, as well as a 20% resale value on is what Greek reporters have said. Fantastic. As much I know a lot of, there were a lot of Greeks that were pissed that we sold him, even for mm-hmm. that amount of money. But yeah. if we were going to sell any player, if we were going to sell any position, because unfortunately we are, we are a small club, we have to sell. If we're going to compete, if we're going to do anything to even remotely build the team up to the point where we can actually compete better in Europe, we have to sell some, we have to sell players. And if we were going to sell a player at any position, I personally, I couldn't think of anything besides left back where we are deeper. Now, of course, yes, we have a little bit of an injury concern with Guthrie. He's recovering from ACL, I believe it is. Yep. It, yep. uh, so he, we have Kutri's recovering, but you know, people people were are are down on him, and yeah, there is a risk that he might not come back the same from the injury. But we can't forget, two years ago, he 
he won the starting spot over Simikas. Yeah. Even, I was a huge Kutrus fan, as we've discussed, yeah. and how yeah. I, I, at the beginning, rated Kutrus over Simikas, and I love yeah. Kutrus, and I'm very happy to see him. I hope he's back in the side, because he's one of my favorite players. I, I thought, I always thought, even uh, last year, that Simikas may have been better defensively, but Kutrus getting forward with the ball, his crosses uh, in the box, very valuable. Even the season before, before we had Pedro Martins, when we were going through that little coaching kerfuffle, you know, one of the positive, one of the only positive aspects of the team after that disaster that was created by um, our least favorite Albanian coach, Hazi. Yes. You know, he was one of the few bright spots, especially in the second half of the season. So Gutierrez is not that that much inferior to Tsimikas. It's all going to depend how his recovery goes. He's yeah, a agree. better offensive option, even with Tsimikas' improvements in the offense. Gutierrez has a, a, a larger portfolio in terms of the, the offensive abilities he has. Uh, Lambro, actually, you had shared that article um, from that Liverpool writer about Tsimikas, yeah. and he brought up a very good point. And I didn't really notice it until... Uh, he said something, and I was going through, you know, just going through some clips, going through some games. And Zimikas, when he goes down, he really does do the same thing. He either goes down to the touchline and crosses, or it's a cutback. Mm. He doesn't, you know, now, being in the middle of the field, he can take a player on here and there. But Guthrie's has a lot more, you know. Guthrie's is comfortable using his off foot. He's, he's yeah. comfortable getting into space or making more space before making that cross. He's not, you know, one-dimensional, or if not this, then this. He has a little bit more going forward. The question will be, how good will he be defensively, and how can he recover from this? Yeah. Um, but don't forget, we have two, we have two prospects. Uh, Martinez, who has had a lot, a lot of praise coming out from yeah. the academy. He, he is being seen as the next Tsimikas. And then we just signed Apostolopoulos. I believe yep. from uh, Panzeraikos, uh, and he is also supposed to be unbelievable. They're supposed to be two great players. Mm -hmm. So we have a plan at left back, and we have pieces. You know, the pieces coming in are stop gaps to see in how they, you know, how they develop. Yeah, and so would that be a good time to bring up the rumor of Jose Olebas returning to Olympiacos right now? How do you guys see that? I personally see it as kind of like a Torosidis role, who I don't yeah. know if you guys have read, but Torosidis may hang up the boots. He may be done. So he could play in that role. Maybe he could. he's a big physical guy. He could play in the midfield maybe for cup games. I don't know. But, yeah, and um, I mean, on, on Chimikas, I think I would understand why people are upset because he's obviously a really good player and he's Greek and he's young and, and you'd love to see him live out his days at Olympiakos. But at the end of the day, for a club like us, $16 million is is a lot. You can get a lot of very quality. Like, if you think about how much Madi Kamara was, how much Ba was, I mean, $16 million can go a long way in the transfer market in terms of replacing those players. Obviously, we you know, we're going to be losing a lot, and that's unfortunate uh, from this really great team. But um, – and, and as, as Adi said, left back, uh, we've, we've got a lot of options there. Kutris is, is – quality he has enough quality to start for and us if you guys remember he was the one who was linked to napoli originally and other Italian yeah teams. yeah totally and i remember his performance against ac milan was fantastic he oh, played yeah. extremely well yeah he's um, right there 
he's a he's a great player, you know. And so I I personally don't have any. I love Chimikas and his work rate was fantastic. His defensive work was great, and his passion and love for the team was next to nothing. But I agree, we have options there, and it's not the worst the worst yeah. we could do. And and with Jose Bassi, yeah, I don't I don't really see him playing too much, especially if and when Kufis comes back and if, if he returns to the form at which we've seen him before. Um, and and even, I don't really know how good Miguel Trauco is uh, if he comes in, but I would kind of guess he's probably going to be ahead of Jolebas on the death chart. But um, having him there and, you know, it, it seems like he might sort of be aware of the fact that he's not going to be playing a lot. Um, and, and it seems like he might be okay with that. And so him in the Toro Cities role, as you say, is, is not, I don't think that's a bad thing. If he wants to sort of finish off his career here, um, I think that's fine. It's important to remember he is free. Yeah. We're pay- and I'm, I doubt his wages are going to be anything crazy. And exactly. we wouldn't have, we wouldn't be bringing him in if Martins didn't see a use for him. Uh, you know, the, the last couple of years, besides the very beginning when Martins first came in, th- these transfers, they, you know, it, we're not making these transfers anymore. We bring a guy in, it's like, why did we bring him? You know, Martins is identifying usually people that he thinks he can get use out of. So we wouldn't have brought Holebas in if Martins didn't see some type of use for him. You know, especially now, he's a stopgap and he's serviceable. Even yep. further up the pitch, remember, before Holebas left us, even at Watford, sometimes they played him at wing, if need be. You know, he, he's versatile. He, and, and the Portuguese love players that they can, you know, plug in into different areas if they can. Dorosidis is also another example. Dorosidis played right back, left back, and midfield for us yeah. this year. Just this year. He know, actually he subbed in. He, I watched a game post-COVID where he actually looked decently good. On the, yeah. On, yeah, his crossing is fantastic. And it's just, if he gets, he's, he gets the space and time, he can whip in like a beautiful ball and mm-hmm. a beautiful pass. His link up plays pretty well. But of course, he's getting on in age and is a little slow. So. Yeah. And, and for, the, for the Greeks that are getting annoyed about the retirement community that's, being, that's building here, you know, I trust Martins to get the best out of the players that are being brought in. Balbuena, you know what? <laughs> Mid-30s, people asked why we brought in a, a has-been, you know, who was doing nothing in Turkey. That, that's what a lot of people were, were saying. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. you know, okay, he, you know what, we're not getting him at his best time. But guess what? Most valuable player, you know, up in that conversation yeah. with, with El Arabi and in the conversation should have been, in my opinion, in the Greek League conversation for the fans' vote, yeah. should have been the clear conversation between those players. I mean... I'm mm-hmm. sorry, that that was disgusting. But yeah, that was pretty Fat Fat Cities come on now, <laughs> right? But yeah, but yeah. And you know. and then let's not forget he made the the games that Avram played. He actually looked like a functional defender. I thought for sure when he first entered the pitch this season, I I thought we were that's it. I thought we were done. You know, yeah. uh, especially there at Victoria Plaza when he pulled the yeah. hamstring on a simple header back <laughs> yeah. to the keeper. Do you remember exactly? Uh, you know, but hey, you know, he, he played went... that first game against Pauk, I believe. Was that right? Is that right? Did he play? Um, he played a big derby. I remember and played fantastic. 
Yeah, he it flew might into have... a challenge and just like destroyed. Like maybe it was Chewbacca bomb. I don't remember. But just... Yeah, it might have. It might have been Pog. I remember it being. I do remember it being a derby game. But I could be. I could be incorrect. But he he definitely surprised me. Not that I was expecting much from him. So when the bar is that low, anything is is positive. But he did surprise me because he looked functional. And Torosidis again, somebody else we all thought was just retire. You know, past his prime, gonna retire here functional you know played anywhere mm -hmm. we needed him and mm -hmm. didn't play poorly so martins is you know he's three for three you know I, i'm gonna trust him you and know, you know what the most out of him if like if these players are okay with it's like torsi just did not play a lot this year um okay. like if these guys are i mean valbuena obviously you know had to play every game but that's a different story but if these guys are okay with not playing a lot um, you know, you're not going to get a situation where people are unhappy in the dressing room and, you know, you never know what injuries are going to happen and when these players are going to be necessary. So like, right. if they're okay with being there and, you know, obviously it helps to have these older players in the locker room to sort of stabilize things. Um, I don't yeah. see any problem with that. And as you said as well, if they're cheap. Yeah. But one older player who's coming in, I guess we can mention now is Rafinha who is coming from Flamengo, the Brazilian champions, Copa da, what is it, Copa Libertadores? is that it? I'm Copa not... Libertadores. No. Yeah, Libertadores. Libertadores, um, winner there, an amazing season for Flamengo. And the Brazilians, it seems, rate him quite highly. What do you guys think of that transfer? I'm okay with it. My, my, my concern isn't about Rafinha uh, himself because, I mean, the fans there liked him. They they thought he was fantastic. He definitely still has something to offer, even at his age. My concern is what is going to be the future there. We don't have yeah. anybody right now, it looks like, in the academy. You know, Yanni Masuras was supposed to be that young guy that was supposed to be our next right back. He doesn't look like, or, I mean, the implication from what we're seeing, it doesn't seem like he's going to be that guy. You know, especially if we do end up loaning it out again. So we need something. There needs to be a long-term strategy for that position. We need to find somebody. I don't know yeah. what that's going to be, but it's not. I don't think it's coming from us. From our and academy. honestly, looking looking around Greece right now, that's a major problem for the Greek national team, Greek youth teams as well. You don't have that right back right now. We're seeing Bakakis, the starter for the Greek national team. The national team's looking for a guy who plays for. What is it, Sheffield United? George Baldock? Yes. They're trying to bring him in. I don't know if it's the answer is going to be a Greek player, to be honest, at this point. They may have to look abroad, and we'll see. Yeah. Well, and I, I agree with, with Adi that I'm not concerned with him playing there this season. I mean, once again, we've seen what Martins has gotten from older players. He's surprised people. And this is a guy who's played in the top tiers of world football in the past and is still playing at pretty competitive teams in South America. Not worried about it this year, but yeah. Um, the fact that there's not really an answer yet long-term and it's sort of like, all right, we've got this for now. We'll think about the rest later um, is a bit worrying to me. Um, I think eventually, it, yeah, it might just come down to us buying some other right back, maybe a younger player when Rafinha gets uh, too old to even be in our team. Um, what do you guys think? Concerning. What do you guys think about uh, Loney coming back? Thanasis uh, Andruzos, do you think he can play there as a backup, a second or third option? Because we've, we've seen him play, I think, there under Martins. 
It, I, I don't think going forward that that's going to be his his mainstay. Of course, if he's required to play there when needed, it wouldn't surprise me if he goes there. But uh, I think, I mean, we've seen flashes of what he's capable of. And I believe he can become uh, a very useful piece for the midfield, especially considering the risk, we, the, the very high risk of us losing Mahdi, uh, you know, or, or even uh, Guillerme. Or even you Guillerme. Know. You know, Guillerme's fair game for other teams. You know, he is, he's had, uh, you know, a lot of great games. There's a lot of argument that maybe he hasn't been as clinical this year as he was last year. I disagree almost yeah. completely. You know, Guillerme, just his ball winning in the game against the Wolves, you know, the he was picking pockets. He picked uh, he picked uh, Podenza's pocket once, you know. I mean, he is a ball winner. He is a midfield workhorse. Any team would be lucky to have him. We would be fortunate to continue to keep him. So, But that being said, you know, we have, uh, you know, there are pieces that could likely be sold. And Andruzos, I think, has some skill, uh, you know, to fill in there. Um, but, uh, and if he's, and they already said they're, re, you know, renewing his contract. So I think that, you know, if he's, whether he's used as a switchblade or not, he clearly has a future with the team. Uh, now, the yeah. more interesting. And for registration piece, as well, it's very important. Uh, yes, yes, exactly. Now, the more interesting piece for me is that young Cypriot player, uh, uh, Gostis. Yeah, yeah, I'm interested in him as well. You know, for for Martins to say right away, you know, I mean, he's 19 years old, correct? 20, I, I think now. But, but yeah, that's, and still very That's young. crazy, a kid coming from Cyprus, you know, like, yeah. and staying with the team. I don't think I've ever seen that at Oribiacos. I, I can't remember exactly. Yeah, I mean, and right away, he's he's in the club. He must be special. He must be special. And he's a Cypriot international. Let's not forget it. They yeah, he's, he got his first debut. He's been, well, if you look at the last few games for Cyprus, he's been regular starter. I mean, that's mm -hmm. that's something at, at his age. I'm, I'm really interested to see how he turns out. Yeah. So, and that's, that's, uh, that's another piece. That's another piece for us that's going to be, you know, uh, I definitely think featured in there. You know, he might not get many appearances but i think he'll definitely get some cup appearances you know maybe one of a 75th or 80th minute appearance in a few games uh but we you know we do have some depth at least coming in for that um i'm excited to see you know more even though i used to be excited for adrutos i'm more excited to see how he turns out and then, of course, we have uh, the two wingers, uh, Greek international Marius Versailles and uh, Serbian youth international Nikola Konmic, I think you say it. Yeah, I think Chumic. Chumic? Okay. Is that how you That's how I've seen like it spelled in Greek, at least. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be like Lazar. I was calling him Lazar for the whole season until I could finally read his last name. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm ha honestly, I'm. I got to say, I'm happy about Brusai. I was, I expected more out of him before we loaned him to Belgium, uh, to to Willem. But you know, I'm happy. But I am way more excited about Chumich because he. Yes. That season he had. This man. This. He's going to this be. This man's incredible. numbers. Oh my God. Yeah. 
and he's getting interest from a lot of scouting places abroad. I was seeing his name yeah. pop up everywhere about this kid to be watching out for. So yeah, we'll see and what we got. It's it's going to be interesting. Yeah, forget Lazar 2.0. I mean, he's already done better than <laughs> Lazar did before he joined us. You know, I right. think I think he's going to be he is going to be the real deal. I mean, like Miralas type impact at that position for us. I believe he can be. I'm excited. And that leaves the question, do we need another winger? Do we need another player out on the wing? What do you guys think? Well, we've been linked. We've been linked we, with a couple of linked. wingers. Yeah. Uh, the... Of course, uh, the Nigerian Henry, on, I'm not going to say his name, Henry, the Nigerian who played in Galatasaray last season. Nasser Chadli, a player of Monaco who played at Anderlecht last season. Maxi Gradle, who signed yesterday or today with Sivas um, 4 in Turkey. So the team's definitely looking for a Padense replacement, I would say, a creative midfielder or winger. And, but I don't know if it's going to be necessary. We're just going to have to see, I guess. The the thing to remember is, the you know, Rusai and, and, and Chumich, the, they are, the, that is potential. You know, mm-hmm. they yeah. might not, they might not turn out. Yeah. You know, Rusai especially, you know, he he may not be really that breakthrough guy that we're looking for. And it's not like Lazar is the the epitome of a consistent player. You know, he had a few game, you know, a couple games after the COVID break that he strung in a row, where it looked like he could be, you know, the a mainstay at that position for us. But without, you know, Chrysodulopoulos, who, despite being old, despite being not maybe the, you know, the best player with the ball at his feet, he was effective. When he was healthy, he was effective. He was he was direct. He could score and he could make things happen. We we you know after Podens left, we still don't really have anybody that's going to consistently do that. So I wouldn't mind if necessarily if we brought if we tried to bring somebody else that was a little bit more of a proven product. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's there's and no guarantee that want that even one of Rusai or Chumich will be that for us. And you know, as Olympiacos fans, we know the fans' hunger for. You know, those BAM signings go to the airport, big-name players, you know, even if they don't work. Yeah, yeah, to really yeah. return of Miralas. And I could so see the club going in for a big-name older older winger or more well-known winger to get the fans excited because it seems like that's something the management likes to do, unfortunately. Yeah. If it even doesn't work out, I could so see something like that later in the summer because don't forget the transfer windows open until October, I believe, this time around, so... It's going to be interesting. We've got a lot of time, and the team can evaluate after the start of the season if they need a winger. So it's all all out there. Yeah. Well, that's the unfortunate. That's the unfortunate downside. It's, and you know, I used to think it was just the Libyakos fans that were like that, but it's fans everywhere. A lot of them they only care about those big names. You know, unfortunately, we're not a team that's going to be bringing it. If we're getting a big name, they're coming past their prime. Yeah. I'm sorry. We're not getting anybody at their best. You know, the only thing we can do is maybe identify some of those people that might be past their prime to fill in a gap while we develop a younger player that can that can fulfill that. But uh, unfortunately, there's no there's no there's no bams. There's there's not going to be any bams for us that that are going to be at the peak. We're not getting any Isco's. We're not getting any. Ronaldo's. We're not even. Oh, we're not Messi, getting. Messi seems unhappy at Barcelona. Maybe we should. Have. <laughs> but you know these 
these BAMs are just terrible business too. You look at the clubs in Turkey are like struggling with financial fair play. They're bringing in these massive name players on massive wages, paying big bills for them. And what do they do? They do nothing. And they do nothing in Europe. They don't do anything in Turkey. And you see Istanbul Basakşehir wins the league, you know? Yeah. We, we don't want that, you know? So... And it's we can't we just can't do it. We can't so even this year, you know, before COVID, we were keeping players under two million, you know, and we didn't even have that many contracts between one to two million. I believe uh I believe there are four players that are making over a million euro a season for us. The, what is it? Fortunis, Arabi, Babuinans. Who's the other? Is that the three? The I thought there was one more. I I got I I saw some some. It could be maybe Guillerme actually. It could be maybe Guillerme. I'm um, not sure actually. Oh, that would be interesting to look into. The I'll I'll have to to look into that again. But I I remember I I remember there being four, uh, and okay. and that's the part that's the problem. Now a lot of fans got upset that we didn't pay Omar, you know, yeah. it, it to be into that one million range. But there there unfortunately there is a hierarchy we have to adhere to here. You know. The, there is there is a a, a locker room. Um, I, I it's not a hierarchy. There's a locker room um, balance that needs to be kept. So if we even though Omar was the captain, I we can't say he was our most valuable player. We we saw the best of Omar a couple of years ago. You yeah, know it's been it. it's been a it's been you know two three years that we've seen the best of him. Unfortunately. So we yeah. can't justify giving him the reported 1.7 million that they're giving him in Turkey. Mm-hmm. You know, w- when it's going, he, he, that would make him, I believe, the second highest paid player at the club, um, second only to Fortunis, who is the the highest paid player right now. Mm-hmm. Right, and that, and that, as as I think you um, you said, Adi, it basically leads to you know, other players potentially wanting more money because they say, oh, Omar gets this, you know, I, I am just as good. This has happened exactly. to Chelsea very recently with yeah. um, some of the young players coming through there. And, it, it, yeah, it's just a, it causes a shit show. Um, and uh, it, I feel like it, this may help us out long-term with negotiations with Guillerme and other players who are looking to renew their contracts yes. as well. Yep, and we also have to remember because there are, unfortunately, what seems like the majority of Greek fans that seem to forget that we are on the hook for all of our expenses, stadium costs. There are no stadium revenues to offset those now. We still have to pay those fixed fees. So a lot of the, some of the the money that's coming in from sales, the money coming in from Europe, you know, Podenza's transfer, uh, all of this money... We have to. We're still paying for all of all of these fixed costs and not getting the benefit of you know all the the money we collect from stadiums, tickets, you know, gate receipts. That's that's something. You know, the concessions, uh, everything, everything related to that. You know, all of that that plays a huge part in the profitability of the club. And it's not like the Greek league. It's not like our marketing, our TV rights money that's going to the clubs is anything to write home about. Even though they reduced the number of teams to 14, it didn't really elevate the the TV rights money to each club more than 
almost two million per team. You know, that's that's it's sad. The uh, I believe it was two years ago. They they had said the TV rights money in the UK in the Premier League. Any team that participated was about forty three and a half million uh, British pounds just for participating in the league. Think about that. Forty three yeah. and a half and for just participating in the Premier League. You know, you're so that's 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 a fair amount of money. You can get some players from a lot of other leagues. Yeah. What do we get in Greece for teams for teams that compete? Yeah, you million. And also, it's now it looks like there's a new trend in Greece with clubs starting their own TV channels and trying to get revenue from abroad, from fans abroad, and from locally to try and make even more money. I don't know if you guys saw this, but Panathinaikos launched its own channel as well, yeah. where they're really showing their games. So I don't yeah. know if that's a trend that's going to continue, but it's going to destroy the smaller teams, of course. So it wouldn't be yeah. great. But well, but of course, we would like it to watch the team yeah, easily. That, but you know it's not great for the league it uh, it's not great for the league as a whole but unfortunately it's something that needs to be done because the you know there there has been this obsession with nova sports and they are one of the worst tv broadcasting companies for the diaspora they are horrible i since 2012 i think i have been complaining about them they make it so difficult for the diaspora to be engaged in the Greek soccer league. That is so stupid. The, the you know, the, the Greek diaspora has the money to spend for this. We want we want that connection with Greece, but Nova Sports doesn't care. They don't make it easy. Nova has yeah. never made it easy for us to connect. You know who and does make it easy? Antenna, even Cosmote. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Cosmote's great. You know. And and I would make mention one thing. Because of that, you see so many diaspora fans just watching Olympiacos in Europe, which I guess is fine for them, but it's the only way they get to watch Olympiacos, which is kind of bad because, you know, to be honest, I love the derby games. I love the atmosphere. Yeah. I love seeing the stadium. Those are the best games for me. The it's, yeah, it's unlike anything else. You know? Yeah, exactly. The, the atmosphere is nothing. And that's where the product is. That's the product. And it's just terrible that people can't see that a lot of times. It, it it really is it really is unfortunate you know Gre Greeks tend to be we tend to be our own worst enemies and it's a shame you know yeah. uh, if if we could make it easier for the diaspora to to, to get engaged to see it you know it, yeah. then we you could have you'll have an increase in viewership increase in revenue and you know all that does is 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 buff the team all the way up sure. it, it's a shame it's a shame uh, that's something that needs to be done um, you know, more needs to be done to to advertise that so we can get more money in. Yeah. At the same time, financially, I mean, unfortunately, there needs to be a better blueprint for 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 the teams in Greece. You know, and that's something I think the EPO probably should be doing more with create helping create a blueprint of success for teams because you know all the top flight teams spent themselves into ruin. Now, a lot of that was prior to, you know, FFP. You know, you had teams like Ike get relegated into the fourth division yep. and then bought for a dollar by by their current owner, Melisanidis. You can't do that anymore. Yeah. I mean, we need to do more. The, the, the administration, the EPO, they need to do more in Greece for the welfare of Greek teams. We need to get more money rolling in. Otherwise, we'll never compete.
and we're going to continue to lose lose out to Cyprus in in uh, you know the league coefficient. Yeah. And yeah, and one of the casualties of that whole situation was Iraklis, one of the most historic clubs in all of Greece, and that was just insolvent. I think now they're not even playing in the fourth or fifth division. And that's a real shame because they were one of the biggest clubs in all of Greece. So with 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 that context, that's why I'm not I can't get upset, especially when larger larger teams are making their own TV channels. I mean, you know, the we they need money to compete to get better players. And it's not happening with the the local deals for their games. So you know, I can't get upset that they're doing that. Does it kind of suck? Yes, because, like you said, this is only going to affect the the smaller teams more. You know, yeah. because uh, you know the the TV rights distribution in terms of the money is going to decrease depending on what agreements they work out with this. So, I mean, we'll have to wait and see what happens. But um, I'm hoping for the best. Yeah. And so I think we're reaching a pretty long duration of the podcast. Do you guys want to wrap up some final thoughts? I may mention a few things. Peter, go ahead if you have any Yeah. Um, and I, I wonder if we could briefly just talk about some of the other transfers. Like we talked about the transfers that have gone through and things that seem okay. pretty official, but there's also sort of the threat of Semedo, Sa. We talked about Mahdi and his value a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um Hassan as well. Hassan, yeah. yeah. I think it, it seems like Sa, Atletico Madrid were interested, but I think they bought another keeper. Yeah. Right, right Dimitrovic or something. And, mm-hmm. and Yes. So maybe Sa will be sticking around for at least another year. Which and he has nice. that, that hand problem, you know, which is tough for him. But, you know, I feel like a lot of teams want a ready-made keeper. It's no preseason this year. Yeah. He may have to stick around, I think. You may have to stick around, which is fine with us, of course. But, and then, and then for, uh, for Mahdi, and there's been no offers from what we've heard, but there's definitely interest. People are looking, but no official offers yet. And Semedo still linked with Benfica? Yes, so, but his agent yeah. said that, that, wasn't, that the, his agreement for the two-plus-one-year contract wasn't true. Okay. And also, so, to mention real quick about Benfica, they just signed Jan Vertonghen, which may affect yes. things. Oh, that's true. I, I saw that, yeah. So, maybe, I, I read Sporting is interested. I think they say Sporting. <laughs> they, hey. they may be interested. Um, but cross your fingers. Just cross your fingers. And let's hope we can hold on to both Jose Sa and Semedo for one more season. Yeah. No, maybe we, maybe we I can think, make a deeper run in Europe. That would yeah. be fantastic. And maybe we could get Sadarino and get rid of that release clause, right? <laughs> That'd be great. I think I think a back four of Kutris, healthy Kutris, Semedo, Cisse Orba, and Rafinha with Sa in goal is like that. That can go places. I think that's fine for next that's, year. I think that's a fantastic team. I think that's fantastic. And if we don't lose Maddie or Guillaume either, this team I think could go for another run. And yeah, it'd be exciting. I agree. Anyway, any lasting thoughts, Peter, last things you want to say? Um, that's about it. I think uh, we'll, we'll come back in uh, a week or so's time for the Greek Cup final, which has been yeah, we'll do a, preview. It's a whole and situation guess... with that. We can talk about next time of it being yep. you know postponed over and over again. And it's now, I think, on August 30th, I think two weeks from today. Yep. Um, 
but we are, uh, you know, obviously disappointed, a bit disappointed about how Europe went. I, I, it was a good season, but, you know, um, feel like we maybe could have done more. But, I mean, a, a domestic double, uh, you know, is always good. Yeah. So, um, big cup game ahead. And then after that, this season will be officially over. And uh, who knows what transfer news will pop up between then. Um, so, looking forward to, to getting together and, and sort of talking about what, what will have happened in those next couple of weeks when uh, the time comes. Um, but yeah, this season, I think some really amazing moments, uh, overall really successful, um, some great breakouts individually from players and uh, a good foundation to continue competing in Europe next year. Yep, sounds good, and we appreciate everyone who's listened so far. Uh, so, do you guys want to? Do you guys have any Twitter or anything to plug? I will be sharing at oh, La well, I'll probably, I'll I'll probably be... make some social media for this once it gets out yeah. on on everything. Yeah, so we'd love to have your guys' feedback, and if anyone wants to be a guest one of these times and just talk Olympiacos, we'd love to have you. Yeah, Thanks totally. Me. All right, Adi, well, any thoughts? To finish? Uh, yeah, that's it. Love to get as many people in the community engaged as we can because there's a lot of people yeah. that love Ubiakos as much as we do. Mm-hmm. Love yep. to hear from and, all. And we know the language thing is difficult sometimes. People can't follow Ubiakos mm-hmm. because of the language, and we just want to make that easier and you know for people bringing information into English. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's it. Thank you everyone for listening. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much. Great rest of your Sunday.